Welcome to Science Talk, the weekly podcast of Scientific American for the week of February 18th, 2009. I'm Steve Mursky. I just got back from Chicago where I was at the annual meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. On Monday, February 16th, I was privileged to attend an historic press conference, which I'm going to share with you on the current state of cosmology. The participants were MIT's Alan Guth, the developer of the inflationary model of the universe, Lawrence Krauss, a frequent contributor to Scientific American Magazine and director of the Origins Initiative at Arizona State University, John Karlstrom from the University of Chicago, who studies the cosmic microwave background radiation left over from the Big Bang, and Scott Donaldson of the Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory, who studies the origin and structure of the universe. In part one of the podcast, we'll hear from the four cosmologists who discuss our understanding of the universe. And later in part two, they take reporters' questions. The first voice you hear is Lawrence Krauss. The last uh, decade has seen more revolutions in cosmology than, than perhaps a century before it. And our picture of the universe has changed completely. But at the same time, we are at the threshold of of uh, addressing questions that I think it was fair, would be fair to say uh, a generation ago we wouldn't have even thought of not only wouldn't even thought of asking but never would have imagined would be testable we may be able to probe physics at, literally physics at the universe uh, uh, of the universe at a time uh, when the universe was less than a millionth of a millionth of a millionth of a millionth of a second old uh, and in fact, the uh, the current best ideas about uh, about what happened then are due to this guy. This guy refers to MIT's Alan Guth, sitting to Krauss's immediate left, who developed something, an idea which uh, called inflation, which is which is really the currently the the best founded picture of what may have happened, um, and the only picture that sort of provides a, a possibility of explaining what we see from first principles. That doesn't mean it's right. And, uh, um, and that's, the key, what, that's a key question uh, that we need to know. Currently, right now, um, with all of the new observations from the cosmic microwave background and, and galaxy structure and, and uh, weighing the mass in the universe, um, it's all completely consistent with the ideas that are developed associated with the idea of inflation. But the key question is, is there any way to definitively uh, test the idea? And um, and one of the ways that that one of the predictions of inflation potentially is that there's a background of something called gravitational waves, literally undulations in space and time that exists throughout the universe. And um, and the two other gentlemen that are here. Uh, John Karlstrom is one of the leader, experimental leaders in, in, in uh, look, looking at the cosmic microwave background radiation, which is currently our best probe of the universe. It's the, it's, it's the most, some people would say, would have turned cosmology into a precision science, that instead of being able to measure, measure things to uh, order of magnitude, we can measure things just many decimal places. Uh, and and one of the probes that, that we might actually, that the cosmic microwave background might actually provide for us is a probe of gravitational waves. And um, we have been living in the golden gauge of cosmology, as people say, and the question is what we're, what's going to happen in the near future? And, and uh, of course, we don't know. Um, 
we're getting so close to threshold questions, fundamental questions about the universe, that we may be at the limits of what we would call falsifiability. Our ability to definitively rule out ideas may be going to be limited because the, because the grandeur of the ideas that we're testing may become so great. Inflation is a, is really a, a remarkable idea that 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 is simple and beautiful. Right now, it's an idea more than a model, and it could be that we may end up with with a, with observations that are completely consistent with with inflation, but we may not be able to say for certain whether it happened or not. We may, we may have to live with that. But it gets worse. The good news about the universe is that as bad as it is now, it's going to get a lot worse, so you should enjoy it. And the future of the universe is, is, is based on what we now have been able to measure, completely miserable. The longer we wait, the less we'll see of the universe. The more the, of the universe will, will disappear. The fewer measurements we'll be able to make on, uh, on nature. And so even our, our present ability to falsify the universe might get a lot worse. And these crazy ideas have suggested may lead to the to to the a change in the nature of science. The most puzzling observation that's been made in the last decade is that the universe seems to be full of this something called dark energy. Empty space is full of energy. If you get rid of all the radiation and matter from the universe, empty space still weighs something. But the crazy thing about empty space weighing something, well, there are many crazy things. Uh, it's, it produces a gravitational repulsion rather than attraction, so the expansion of the universe is speeding up. But this stuff is so mysterious and inexplicable, completely inexplicable right now, that many physicists have been driven wild and mad <laughs> and um, have, been, have changed what we might mean by fundamental physics by suggesting, for example, that the fundamental constants in nature are not really fundamental at all. They're accidental. They're an environmental accident. That there are many universes. And we just happen to live in the one that has, that has the values it does because if you changed it a little bit, then we wouldn't be living. Namely, the universe is the way it is because there are astronomers who can go out and measure it. And um, that may sound like either a tautology or a religious statement, but it's neither. In fact, in honor of Darwin, it's almost like a kind of cosmic evolution, kind of cosmic natural selection. It's not too surprising that, that bees can see the colors of flowers, not because they were designed to do so, but if they didn't, they would be able to find the food that they need. And similarly, it's not, it's been argued that perhaps crazy things like this dark energy has the value it has because if it was any different, galaxies wouldn't form. And if galaxies didn't form, stars wouldn't form. And if stars didn't form, planets wouldn't form. And if planets wouldn't form, astronomers wouldn't form. Now that has changed completely the nature of, if that's really true, it means the future of science is very different because if there are many universes and each universe, the laws of physics are different, then maybe we have to throw out fundamental ideas. And, and, and the ability to make fundamental predictions in nature and have to start talking about probabilities. If that's true, well, all hell breaks loose, I think. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then finally, the future of cosmology will get even worse. The amazing thing that all evidence for the universe that we now see will disappear. All evidence of the Big Bang, this remarkable edifice of theory and observation that we built up over the past century that's produced this cockamamie universe, but one that we think we understand very well. All the data is consistent with a single picture of the universe. In the far future, observers will come up with the best laws of physics they can come up with. They will observe the universe, but they will in fact infer the universe is static and eternal, and that we live in an island galaxy surrounded by nothing, which is precisely the picture of the universe that existed in 1900. And that, and, and, and that will be the future of uh, cosmology. 
which will be to come up with exactly the wrong picture of the universe. The University of Chicago's John Karlstrom. So you've, ju you've just heard from a theorist. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, as he said, that in the last 10 years, all this information has been uncovered and our, our picture of the universe has completely changed. And I agree with that. Uh, I'm an experimentalist. And if you think, um, I mean, the last 10 years are fantastic. It really is true. And, and we have this picture of the universe. But this picture of the universe has uh, dark energy, dark matter, 95% of the stuff that makes up the universe, we really don't know what it is. Uh, so my, my view is it's been an incredible time for discovery. And uh, to think that we're somehow anywhere near done discovering and we understand everything well enough to predict the next uh, 10, 20 billion years, um, uh, I think it's not quite right. I'm not as pessimistic. I think there's a lot of discoveries to be had. Maybe we'll learn from the... Uh, LHC, what dark matters? That's the uh, Large Hadron Collider, um, and of course, future cosmic microwave background has a lot more to tell us yet. So I, I'd say stay tuned a little bit before you uh, uh, assume things are the way they are because we're there to view them, and that's the the end of the story. Uh, and and I I certainly hope that's the case. It's certainly true that every time we've opened a new window on the universe, we've been surprised. And the the big my biggest fear, and I'm willing to bet John here in front of reporters. <laughs> is that um, is that we will we have made a remarkable discoveries in the last decade, yeah. and we don't understand these things that we've seen. We don't understand dark energy. We don't understand a lot a lot of of this. We've discovered the nature of the universe, but we don't understand why it is the way it is. And I'm concerned that we may that experiment may have expired in terms of being able to fundamentally illuminate these questions. And we may rely on theory. And, and if you're a scientist, that's a dangerous thing to rely on. <laughs> and, uh, and so we may be at the threshold where we may require a new idea, and that's a lot harder. Alan Guth. I, I probably agree with John more than with uh, Lawrence. Uh, I, I doubt very much that we have reached the limits of our ability to understand or to Alan probe Guth. cosmology. Um, I think that 10 years from now, we will almost certainly know what the dark energy, excuse me, what the dark matter is. Yes. Um, I think those discoveries are just on the verge of being made with the Large Hadron Collider and with the many detector experiments that are being set up, some signs that they may have already detected something. Uh, I, I think that puzzle is going to be solved. Uh, with dark energy, uh, it's harder to know what it is. It may very well just be vacuum energy. If it is just vacuum energy, all we can do is sort of further constrain it to be more and more like vacuum energy. There's not going to be a new theory there. There's no one experiment that's going to show uh, that it's vacuum energy. Uh, but there'll be many experiments that will pin down its properties so that we'll eventually perhaps decide that it's so much like vacuum energy that it just must be vacuum energy. I think there's also the possibility of many other you know, very exciting discoveries coming about. Uh, as far as Lawrence's criticism of this crazy idea that the universe is the way it is because astronomers are here, I think we may, in fact, have to live with that. Um, uh, there, I guess I agree with what Lauren said, that I think it's distasteful to think that science, or at least this particular aspect of science, might be reduced to the statement that the universe is the way it is because astronomers are here. The key thing that I think pushes us in that direction is this uh, dark energy. Uh, I should maybe add, I don't think Lawrence really said it, the most peculiar thing about this dark energy uh, is really the fact that there's so little of it. Um, based on particle physics alone, 
if we were to naively guess what the energy density of the vacuum ought to be, uh, you might think it was zero, and zero was sort of acceptable to us for a long time. Uh, but the vacuum, the quantum vacuum that physicists really know is not empty, so zero was not really a very sensible answer anyway. Uh, but the natural answer that we would pick would be about 120 orders of magnitude larger than the observed vacuum energy. Uh, so the big question is, what in the world explains why the vacuum energy is so unbelievably small? And one possible answer, I don't know if it's right, and um, I think it'll be a long time before we really settle on whether it's the best explanation or not. Um, I think it is the best explanation we have now, but that's not quite good enough to make it believable that it's the best explanation we're ever going to come up with. Uh, but I would like to explain that it really is a very natural scientific explanation within the context of the way our theories of cosmology are moving. Uh, this theory of inflation, which gives us very good predictions for properties of the cosmic background radiation, for the mass density of the universe, for things that we really do measure, uh, that same theory in almost all of its forms predicts that there should not be just one universe, but the same mechanism that produced our universe would produce more and more universes without limit, uh, producing an infinite number of universes. Um, furthermore, that idea gets combined with ideas coming out of string theory, which I think to most theoretical physicists is our best guess for the fundamental laws of nature. Uh, string theory tells us that there's not just one vacuum, uh, but there's a huge number of vacua, possible vacua, 10 to the 500 or so, crazy numbers that people talk about. Uh, and that means that each one of them has a different vacuum energy. And if this idea of eternal inflation producing an infinite number of universes is right, uh, those infinite number of universes uh, could each have a different one of these 10 to the 500 vacua. So all of them would exist. Uh, and then you have to ask yourself, where, where in this multiverse would you expect to find astronomers to make the measurement of the energy density of the vacuum? Uh, and there are good arguments that you might only find them when the vacuum energy is incredibly small, because a larger vacuum energy blows the universe apart. It produces a repulsive force uh, before galaxies could form. And if you believe that observers only form when there are galaxies, no observers in those universes. Uh, conversely, if the vacuum energy were negative, it would cause the universe to rapidly recollapse, and there'd be no time for astronomers, at least of the type we know of, uh, to come into existence. That's the key point, at least of the type we uh, know. Of the type, of, you're right. No, that that is a big uncertainty. I completely agree. Uh, so I'd be much happier if all this would go away. Uh, but I will still argue uh, that this is a very reasonable explanation, and it could even be the right explanation uh, for why the vacuum energy that we observe is so unbelievably small compared to what we would theoretically expect. Fermilab Scott Dodelson. Um, I guess I'm maybe a little more optimistic than all of you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, over the last decade, we've uh, figured out how to get the universe got from A to B. A, in this, in this case, is the pictures that John and his collaborators have taken of the microwave background when the universe was only 400,000 years old. And B is what the universe looks like today when it's 13.7 billion years old. So the... the the amazing thing is we have so much confidence in our ability to understand how we get from A to B that we're now thinking of extrapolating past B and before A. So Alan has done that before A. Maybe it's inflation. 
And Lawrence has done that after B, saying maybe the universe will die this uh, pessimistic death. But we really don't know. And I think the most exciting thing is that the measurements that we're going to be taking over the next decade can inform us about both, both extrapolations. So, for example, by measuring properties of the dark energy, we can learn whether Lawrence is right or wrong. And those measurements are going to be taken over the next decade. And similarly, by, by making more detailed measurements of this cosmic microwave background, we can learn whether this theory of inflation is correct. And just like on the ground, it seems to me that in the observations are not dying out. There are more and more of them. Every year, there's another idea for how to test inflation. For example, gravitational waves being a real solid test of inflation. But over the last couple of years, there have been a number of other ideas studying the, these primordial seeds that John and his collaborators measure. The detailed properties of these seeds, as we get more and more fine-scale measurements of them, we can hope to test inflation in more and more precise ways. So I'm very optimistic about these extrapolations. We're asking grand questions, but we really have real hopes of answering them. That's it for part one. We'll be back with the cosmologists answering reporters' questions in part two of this podcast. For Scientific American Science Talk, I'm Steve Mursky.